Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Supermarcado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. So today's episode is called Deep Cuts, and we actually need to explain this a little bit. So what you guys might think this playlist is, there's a little bit more to it. So what's really interesting is I'm looking at my iTunes playlist for this episode. Now, if I look in the composer category, you might think that today's playlist is the best of the best, the most beloved, famous video game composers ever. That's partly true, <laughs> but it is called Deep Cuts. So the idea here is we wanted to play music from the most beloved, big name video game composers we could think of. But play examples that are very obscure from their career, games that maybe came out before they made a really big break, or in some cases later. These are games in in music that most people are not familiar, but from people that they definitely are. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it it still will be a spectrum. Um, I think in the case of someone like Koji Kondo, uh, that music (laughs) is more famous just because he is so well known that even his obscure tracks are kind of beloved. Uh, but in the case of majority of the people on this list, I mean, I was not familiar and both Carl and myself had to do a little bit of digging and research and was sort of a fun, um, it was really fun. Yeah. It was an interesting process of like going through someone's Wikipedia page and saying, okay, what's some old project and, oh, maybe they were just doing sound effects on it and that we've never heard of. Well, so Will had this idea originally, and it, and it was first an idea, and I think it took us to really dive in and, and, and look and see, are there these examples? And yes, there were. Like for, we, we had the list of people first, and then we looked into each person, and yeah, there's definitely examples of things we've never heard before, and it's, it's kind of an interesting and fascinating look here, because I think when we listen to this, uh, this music from these obscure video games, I think we're going to be able to tell, is there something in this music? Is there some spark of you know special ability and kind compositional talent that you can hear that even if you didn't know who this person was you know when they're working on this obscure game like would you you know the team that worked on that i wonder if if at that time there there was anyone that was like really impressed by these names before they broke sure yeah i mean it should be a fantastic playlist of music and really interesting and some of my favorite um things about today's playlist are the examples where the music um doesn't sound like what you might expect from that particular composer. Right. For instance, I think our play-in track is a great example. This was yeah, this so is a piece What cl- do you guys think if you had to take a guess? <laughs> this is a piece of music from a game called Motocross Madness, which is for the Game Boy. And you might think it's um, you know, it's an obscure game by an obscure composer, but it is not an obscure composer. It is Michiro Yamane, who is Known one of the for, most uh, Castlevania. Yeah, one of the most famous Konami composers, done a lot of great work for Castlevania. So pretty crazy to think that uh, Yamane composed this obscure Game Boy <laughs> motocross game. But that's that's giving you a glimpse of to what we're gonna be exploring today. I really like that melody and the mm-hmm. way it was implemented. Yeah, da 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 da. You know, it's reliance on the ninth scale degree and then it's that kind of we've talked about this before i think in that episode with charlie that sort of i i don't know if you think it sounds almost like the phrygian mode but where it's kind of like these half steps chromatically Mm -hmm. is uh, going between these two chords that are just a half step apart but yeah it's a really beautiful it's just classic motocross (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a it's exactly what you expect from a motocross game, right? So, okay, all right. So let's let's explore some wonderful music from names that you know and love, but from games that you probably haven't for the most part. Okay, so 
one of the first people I thought of uh, on this list was Yuzo Koshiro, because I know that he started so young, and he did a lot of work in games in the first, like, three years of his career. Um, some of them ended up being pretty famous and big, such as the E-Series, but definitely a lot of them were obscure. This is a game I'd actually never heard of, and I think the crediting has improved. Even in the past couple of years, I'm seeing some new titles pop up from, like, 1987, 1988 that I hadn't seen before. This is from a game called Algarna. Have you ever heard of Algarna, Will? I've not. This came out for the Sharp X68, which is a similar sounding FM sound chip to the PC88. This is opening from Algarna, composed by the legendary Yuzo Koshiro. Here we go. You guys are listening to the opening from Algarna, which is a very obscure uh, video game from, I think, the late 80s. This was released on the Sharp X68 by Yuzo Koshiro. This is so exciting to explore this playlist because these are composers that went on to become very beloved and famous. You know, this this entire playlist is, if you look in the artist category, it's the biggest names in video game music. Um, but this is back when they were, you know, trying to make a name for themselves. Right. Writing a lot of music. Um, yeah, this this is classic Yuzo Koshiro. Uh, reminds me of a lot of the work that, that he did. I think it's like the same year as like Ease 2, I believe. Um, kind of can hear that early PC sound of Yuzo Koshiro. I, I think this is a great piece of music. What a nice gem. I agree. It has a great groove. It feels classic Koshiro. This doesn't fall into that category I was mentioning where it's something that you wouldn't expect from the composer. Right. This is something that feels, you know, prototypical almost. And it's cool that you mentioned, you know, it's in those early years of his compositional output where I think, you know, he was in a similar headspace to this that he was with, say, the early Ease games or mm-hmm. the other Falcom titles. What's that other really famous... Um, uh, game that he worked on around the same time as the first Ease Well, there's Sorcerian. Sorcerian, that's yeah, what I'm I'm not sure of, if yeah. I'd say that's... It's definitely more well-known than this. It's it's fairly well-known, for sure, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's all relative, right? Uh, but it's crazy to think that Yuzo Koshiro was... He was probably about 20 years old when, when he composed this, 1920, so... Right. So pretty crazy. Okay, but so... But, you know, I mean, yeah, this is just... It's not nearly as famous as Ease or, like, Etrian Odyssey yeah, for or sure. you know, any of the other big titles you know, Streets of Rage or anything like that. But the quality of it is just as good. Yeah. Okay, Uh, let's move on. This is pretty funny. This is definitely the most quote-unquote famous or well-known game of the day. So, (laughs) yeah, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this. The next track that we're going to be playing is composed by Koji Kondo. And um, and I had mentioned this before, but when you look at the musical output of Koji Kondo, I definitely would say there are a lot of things that I would consider deep cuts in that there are pieces of music that don't necessarily get as much of a focus and titles Mm -hmm. that people don't know as well. 
honestly, the most obscure game that Koji Kondo has worked on was probably Shin Onigashima, yeah. since it was this text adventure that was only released in Japan. The thing about it, though, is on this, Not podcast, this podcast, we've played so much of it, and we've talked about it that I... I don't know. To me, I feel like we've somewhat dispelled a little bit of its uh, obscurity, Obscurity, hopefully. So this is a game that is actually probably a little bit more well-known than Shin Onigashima, but we actually haven't played that much of it on the podcast. Uh, the game is titled Nazo no Murasami Jo, which translates to the mysterious Murasami Castle. Yeah, and, and if any of you played Nintendo Land on the Wii U, there was one of the little stages that was kind of, uh, you know, where you shoot the the sort of ninja stars. Right. Um, that level is based on the mysterious Morasami Castle, and they do remix some of his music. And I think the the only reason why people know this game is because it featured work of legendary people like Koji Kondo. Uh, it's definitely not as obscure as most of the stuff on the playlist. But when you think about the career of Kondo, what he would go on to, if you look on his Wikipedia page, this was the same year that he worked on Zelda, the first Zelda game. It's, I think, 86. And so he mm-hmm. was not this legendary person at this time. But eventually, once you got to, like, let's say, Mario 3 or Mario World, there's nothing on the list that would work. Every single title from then on was right. the biggest thing you could ever imagine. So, it's, right. so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. Flagship franchise you know okay so let's take a listen to morasami joe bgm composed by koji kondo a killer piece of music it's so zelda it's definitely you can tell it's written in the same era that he wrote the original legend of zelda it's a little bit more spicy though one of the earliest fds games i think ever released if i'm not mistaken crazy mm-hmm. to hear him working on this uh platform in 86 the original zelda was also an mm-hmm. fds release this is uh, such a great piece of music very underrated yeah absolutely it's yeah i it, I, I absolutely adore this melody it like all great Koji Kondo melodies, it sounds like something that you could imagine is like a pre-existing folk tune. It's so classic sounding and iconic. And to me, it's the closest that um, video game music gets to sounding like perfect in a way because it has that like timeless quality where it almost sounds like it's existed forever. And he's like discovered these notes out of the ether something that i love about um and you know i always notice something different every time i listen to it i love the Mm -hmm. implementation of that fds channel the kind of warbly uh, vibrato that happens in both this game and shinonagashima and the original legend of zelda for that matter on the fds but something that i love about this track is when the melodic note comes in um, it, the the form doesn't really sound like it, like it gets through one full measure of a vamp because it's right. not dun 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 dun. dun you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like there's a couple beats extra or a couple beats fewer, and so you're kind of left a little bit wandering in terms of like 
where you are in the yeah, measure. It's, it's not until you get to that secondary section. But this is a technique that um, happens all the time in classical music. Like probably one of the most famous examples is in uh, Mozart's uh, G minor symphony. Right. Um, if you listen to that piece, it's very famous. Um, the melody kind of comes in on this ambiguous place where you have. It's a great way to so add have like half a measure before. Yeah, well, it's I really think interesting. One of my one of my favorite things about this piece, what I think is the most effective about it, is that it's so short in length. It's thirty five seconds, but there's probably like five different sections to it, and there's so much diversity and variety in right. thirty five seconds. Uh, I can't imagine uh, more interesting, you know, musical directions being explored in that amount of time. But it doesn't feel like random or chaotic. It feels mm-hmm. very controlled. But yeah, that's just uh, that's the master there. So okay. Definitely everything else today is going to be very, very obscure. Okay, so let's move on to a huge composer that we just featured recently, Yoko Shimomura. We think about all the incredibly famous games that she's worked on, the Kingdom Hearts series, Final Fantasy series. The the first thing that really put her on the map was Street Fighter II, um, and this was all before that. So this was one of the first things she ever composed when she was trying to make a name for herself at Capcom. It's an arcade game called F1 Dream. But she worked on the TurboGrafx-16 version of that soundtrack. So let's take a listen to a piece of music from that. TG-16 release of F1 Dream. This is Challenge, composed by Yoko Shimomura. You guys are listening to Challenge from F1 Dream for the TurboGrafx-16, composed by legendary game composer Yoko Shimomura. How fun is this to listen to music from these you know, people that would go on to, to be these huge names and, and write so much beloved music to hear kind of their origins. Uh, this is really great, and it's kind of classic old-school action video game music. Uh, Yoko Shimomura doesn't really write this style uh, anymore right. these days, uh, <laughs> and so it's really fun to hear kind of what she, what she started with. It feels like a predecessor to her work on Street Fighter, you know, mm-hmm. just in that it's so rocking and almost has that like Capcom kind of classic uh, retro video game sound. With oh, it the does harmonized, you know, pairs of notes and thirds and everything, and that kind of rocking, driving bass groove and even some of the interesting kind of ornamental choices on the melodic line reminds me of some of the pieces in street fighter like a little bit you know oh yeah vegas theme or sagat or you're Chumi totally right about even that. has those kind of interesting ornamental curves to it that i am uh so just enamored with all right well we're going to move to a western composer now this is uh, a name that pretty much any fan of video game music will know martin o'donnell Marty O'Donnell, maybe he goes by as well. Um, definitely made a name for himself. Uh, made a big splash with the first score to the first Halo game, 
Uh, and then eventually, you know, a lot of great Bungie soundtracks, even with Destiny, and you know, now he's a freelance composer. There's obviously a very interesting path that was taken uh, with his career, uh, very sudden firing of Bungie. Uh, this was all, all before all that stuff. I think this was the first Bungie game that he actually scored. It's called Myth the Fallen Lords. I had never heard of this game, and I had definitely never heard the music, so it's really cool to listen to uh, Murray O'Donnell music uh, pre-Halo, so let's do that. Let's take a listen to a piece of music called The Siege of Madrigal from Myth the Fallen Lords. Here we go. was so beautiful that was the siege of madrigal from myth the fallen lords which is a pc game i think developed by bungie and this is composed by marty o'donnell yeah it's interesting i was looking at the youtube comments of this and there's a lot of really sad and supportive comments of people just talking about marty and how sad it is that you know he got fired and all the, and all those things um but yeah this is this is a really great piece of music it's it's fascinating uh for me to listen to this and to kind of hear uh some of his earlier video game work yeah it's beautiful you know i think he could have had a a, a separate career writing choral music because the mm-hmm. type of kind of broad um, I guess American sounding harmony that he employs in this piece and, and a lot of his work for Halo, mm-hmm. which some of it does use, you know, choral chant and things like that, uh, would really be at home, I think, in the landscape of, you know, I guess modern choral harmony. It has mm-hmm. that kind of sound to me. I really like the kind of big open voice chords that he uses and there's some interesting inversions. But, you know, the one thing that does remind me of his later work is the the quality of atmosphere. I think this piece is a little bit more like tuneful and um, I guess I don't want to say accessible, but it's a little bit more simple than some yeah. of his work in his later titles, which get more exploratory and dissonant and Ambient. are using more mm-hmm. advanced techniques. This has that atmosphere quality with that kind of, you know, Vox Humana pad sound that comes in and starts doubling the piano. It's pretty. And in general, just the tempo and yeah, everything about it, it has this quality of atmosphere i can really imagine this this is kind of like pre halo marty o'donnell it it has that sound to it well let's move on to one of the most famous video game composers to have ever lived this is nobuo uimatsu and this was a fun choice uh we knew we wanted to pick an uimatsu track um like we said some examples today are games that came out after a particular composer had kind of their heyday. But most of these examples, I would say, uh, is before these composers really started to become huge. And that's the case with this. This is an NES game called Square's Tom Sawyer. So it's basically a Tom Sawyer (laughs) video game for the Nintendo. 
Um, and this was one that Will tracked down. He had to listen to um, a couple other of a couple other early Uematsu scores to get to this one. This is called This is Town again from Tom Sawyer. Let's check it out. guys are listening to town from squares tom sawyer for the nes delightful little uh, plucky ragtime piece of music by nobuo uematsu of final fantasy fame and i think this was the era that he was just getting started in the nes final fantasy games so definitely making a splash but not a name that people around the world uh, knew as <laughs> as much as they do um you know after the i would say maybe once once final fantasy 4 the first snes game came out and those games started to get, and the music started to get really popular. That that's when I think people around the world started to really notice, um, know his name. So this is definitely before that. And I would say this is an example of a style that I don't really associate with Uematsu. Yeah, not at all. It's a delightful little piece. I love the harmonies. I love the melody. It, it, to me, it sounds like a certain era of like early cartoon music. It, it really sounds like a character theme, though. It mm-hmm. sounds like it could be for like Woody Woodpecker or something. You know, it, <laughs> it has this such an innocent, sunshiny quality, which Ragtime is perfect for. But what I think is interesting is I think he's definitely trying to go for American music. The sound of like Tin Pan Mm -hmm. Alley and everything that doesn't necessarily make me think of Tom Sawyer, but I do (laughs) think this is a great video game theme for Tom Sawyer. And I mean, there have been quite a few composers who have been able to sort of uh, musically... Uh, encapsulate that character. My favorite example is uh, Max Steiner's um, theme for Tom Sawyer, but uh, Mm -hmm. John Williams actually, I think, uh, scored a Tom Sawyer film. So Uematsu's Hmm. in good company in that respect. But yeah, I just loved this theme. To me, I feel like it if it were in a more popular game kind of for maybe an original IP or uh, a new character, it could be a this classic. could be a classic theme that we might still be hearing to this day. Well, it's interesting to me because I think Uematsu is really good at writing this kind of music. It's a side of him that we didn't really get to hear all that often. You hear it pop up in the early Final it Fantasy It kind of reminded games. me of Leisure Suit Larry. Remember that theme? Mm, I do, The Leisure yeah. Suit Larry thing? Yeah. Okay, so this I didn't realize this, but uh, in our playlist, we have two back-to-back town themes. I, I really didn't plan on that, so that's, that's funny that turned out that way. We're now going to move on to uh, composer Akira Yamaoka. This is a ah. name that I came up with. I was so curious to, to, to look into his earlier work because I did know that he had worked in video games for years for Konami before he got the first Silent Hill job. Now that was definitely what put him on the map and what kind of def- has defined his game career for sure. So I wanted to explore something before that uh, from titles that sounded nothing like Silent Hill. This is an SNES game called Smash 
smart ball. <laughs> so you definitely know the kind of vibe this is going to go for. Really, pit, really pretty piece of music. Uh, kind of happy, a little bit nostalgic. Uh, really well composed. This is composed by Akira Yamaoka. This is the town theme from Smart Ball. Very short and sweet. That's the town theme from Smart Ball for the SNES. Very obscure video game and soundtrack that I had never heard of before. This is composed by Konami composer Akira Yamaoka, years before he <laughs> made a name for himself in the Silent Hill series. This is this is a real treat to listen to this. And you can tell why. You know, I mean, there's just a direct lineage to, from this <laughs> to the sound of Silent Hill. Oh man, this this is a delight. Can well, you what imagine? <laughs> that that would be a funny video of like replacing all the music in Silent Hill with, smart with stuff music. from Smart Ball. Yeah, da, mm-hmm. da, da, da. it actually could work in that kind of reverse way. You know, sometimes in horror movies they play like right. innocent sounding music just to amp. Well, up I the mean, creeps. this is actually nothing. Some of the other music in the game is even more like silly and plucky. This is like a little bit more earnest. But Will, what are your thoughts on this as a piece of music? I love it. It's a great melody. It's so earnest mm-hmm. and cute. And schmaltzy. Kind of schmaltzy. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I just adore it though. It's Very cute. Cheesy. I love the um the delay sound on those strings and you know I was how, how much repetition is in it. It makes it very memorable. Apparently, Akira Yamaoka volunteered uh, to score Silent Hill. Like they were maybe thinking about they were like kind of offering it to a lot of the different people at Konami and he kind of volunteered because he for some reason he he said that he thought he was the only person who would be able to do it at the time. Like maybe no one else was jumping at the chance. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a really good career move for him to do that. Um, it'd be cool to see what he does next. You know, if he can maybe go back to some other sounds and styles that other than horror games, you know, that we always associate with him. So that's, that's very fascinating. Okay. So, so far, I think all of the examples have been, um, games that have been early on in these composers careers before they've really broken. Uh, this is going to be an example of the opposite of that. So one composer that has, has had an interesting career arc has been David Wise, uh, started off with, with, you know, a lot of obscurity in the NES era, um, but slowly but surely made a name for himself. Uh, the release of Donkey Kong Country really solidified him in that series. Uh, other things like Diddy Kong Racing, but then, uh, definitely had a period of time when we weren't really hearing from him very much. And at very recently, he started to make this amazing renaissance. This is kind of just before he started that that renaissance. This is a game that came out for the Wii and the Wii U, I want to say. It's called Star Ghost. Yeah, I think it also and, came out for the Switch, I believe. Okay. The Switch and the Wii U, I'm pretty sure. Okay, but this was before, was this like before, uh, maybe this was after Tropical Freeze. This was Freeze. 2016, yeah. Okay. So this was after Tropical Freeze, I after believe. After Tropical Freeze. So definitely in right in the middle of his, his new renaissance, okay? Uh, but this is a very obscure game i had never heard of this i'd never heard this music uh, and i think most of you probably haven't as well this is star ghost let's take a listen to the main theme by david wise here we go 
It's a great tune. You guys are listening to the main theme of Star Ghost, composed by David Wise, which came out the same year as Snake Pass, so definitely firmly etched in his recent renaissance. It's pretty crazy how many years uh, there were there where I think he had some bad luck working on some titles that got canceled um, and just never saw the light of day, so it's so great to have him back. But yeah, this is not a soundtrack or game that I was familiar with, so this is a treat to hear more modern Dave Wise music that I've never heard. Yeah, this game came out the same year as Snake Pass, that mm-hmm. other kind of digital download um, game that came out for the Switch and maybe the Wii U. Um, but yeah, this is just fantastic. I love, I love it because it's um, a, a style that is perfect for David Wise in that it allows for his almost techno method of layering in different melodic ideas overlapping in kind of a through composed piece but it also has this overt 1980s synth nostalgia lens to it which is new I guess I would say in his musical output Mm -hmm. but it's something he totally embraces and it yeah this is an example where I feel like if I were just hearing it, not thinking of video game music, I might not ever feel like, oh, this sounds exactly like David Wise. But knowing that it's him, there are those little contours in the melody, sometimes in the chord progression, and a few of those more atmospheric instruments, like the dun 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 dun, that very uh, reverby, spacey kind of plucky synth, mm-hmm. does remind me of like some of the things he did on Tropical Freeze and Snake for Pass sure. and stuff. So but obviously, he's just such a the- versatile composer, which is perfect for games. He's the best. Yeah, and obviously the start of his recent renaissance really was the release of Tropical Freeze. That that was kind of, for a lot of people, the first time they had heard from him in a long time. And so as I'm looking on here, it looks like this is actually one year before Snake Pass. So he did this, and then the next year he did Snake Pass and Ukulele. And I assume that he's working on future projects, uh, but I haven't I haven't really heard any other announcements. So I definitely eagerly look forward to his future work in games. Okay, so I haven't really chosen, I don't think we've chosen a track of the week. This is definitely one that I would like to consider. One name that I thought of uh, on this list was Kinuyo Yamashita. And this is a similar example to what we just played in that Star Ghost in that this is a game that came out well after she was arguably the biggest uh, in her career. I mean, Kinoyo Yamashita came out with a bang. The first work she ever did on video games was Castlevania, which to this day is still her most famous work. Um, not saying she peaked early, but uh, she did a lot of great work in the 8 and 16-bit era, things like Mega Man X3, composed a lot of great soundtracks. But as of late, Definitely uh, her profile has, you know, has has much lower profile um, composing for more obscure games. She does now live in the U.S. I think she moved here uh, about seven or eight years ago. Uh, This is a game that she scored maybe about five years ago or so. It's called Armored Hunter Gunhound EX. And she worked on this with a couple other composers. And when you listen to the soundtrack, and and, uh, luckily there's good crediting, you can hear which tracks she composed. And her tracks are a breath of fresh air and they really feel like classic video game music. And this, this just, this just really made me smile. Um, and so, uh, in some ways it's kind of sad that someone as talented as her, um, is kind of composing for more obscure games, but she's still bringing it. Uh, so I look forward to, to seeing what she does next. This is composed by Kinuyo Yamashita. Let's take a listen to choose your destiny from armored hunter gunhound EX.
This is so good, it really makes me smile. This is Choose Your Destiny, composed by Kinuyo Yamashita from Gunhound EX, which I think came out in 2014, so pretty recently. Um, there's not a lot of stuff that she's been working on lately. It's definitely slowed down. Um, but yeah, she's such a great composer with such a great melodic style. I just, I really kind of miss her music. Yeah, she's one of those individuals where whenever I see her name, I know it's going to be something great. And oftentimes it's been on like show and tell episodes where, you know, I'm trying to look for something else and I come across Kinyo Yamashita and it's like, well, you know, it's going to be great. But yeah, yeah, I agree. It's interesting that she hasn't worked on more high profile titles, especially in recent years that um in the way that you know someone like yoko shimamura has had you know where she's very famous for street fighter but then went on to do so much work in kingdom hearts and final fantasy and so many soundtracks that she's done alone uh, i would love to get uh, a similar kind of output for um yamashita but mm-hmm. this is an absolute treasure you know if and it wasn't for this we wouldn't be able to do an episode uh like deep cuts that we're doing and that's part of the fun is kind of shining a light on some of the lesser known music of some of our favorite video game composers yeah and what's interesting about her career is when you look through her career her longest running collaborator um is the wonderful composer that i i'm a really big fan of iko mizutani iko mizutani who did a lot of great rocking video game music they work together so much and so I imagine that they are, are very close, uh, hopefully to this day. It'd be cool to kind of get those those two back together uh, to do some sort of classic video game soundtrack. Haven't heard from him uh, either. I think he's really kind of dropped off the map. So, all right. That's definitely a possible track of the week for me. Let's see what happens as we move on. Uh, this is <laughs> really interesting. Another name that I came up with, uh, I wanted to look into some of his earlier stuff, was Jesper Kidd. Now, he definitely made a splash fairly late in his career with the first Hitman game uh, and then with each success- with each subsequent Hitman game even more and more Hitman 2 was a lot of people were buzzing and talking about it at the time his his other later work for IO and Interactive then, and then the Assassin's Creed and then yeah just kind of kept going on. and going Assassin's Creed maybe catapulted him to to a new level this is way before that he he used to be like a demo scene guy uh, and doing a lot of uh, electronic music and kind of dance trance music. Uh, really kind of dark and driving and hypnotic was his early. I was style. really into his score for that game Freedom Fighters. Um, yeah, that me had too. that kind of Russian folk music, large orchestral sound. It was similar to that uh, Red Alert. Um, mm-hmm. What was that game? There's that Command and Conquer, Red Command Alert. and Conquer, mm-hmm. something Red Alert that has this like Soviet march and a lot of great Russian sounding music. For sure, yeah, he has a really interesting style. But it's interesting to to see the kind of music that he used to compose because it, it's very different. This is incredibly obscure. Maybe the most obscure game of the game game of the day. It's called Pro Moves Soccer for the Mega Drive, uh, a soccer game that has music that does not belong (laughs) this is just this doesn't make any sense this is the introduction to pro move soccer (laughs) composed by jesper kid
soccer. <laughs> Classic soccer music here. This is great. Jesper, Jesper Kid is showing us his pro moves for this introduction to pro move soccer for the Mega Drive. Really cool piece of music. Um, yeah, Jesper had a really interesting style in his early games. Also, that Subterranea game he composed for the Genesis has a similar style to this. He got some really cool sounds out of the Mega Drive. He has this kind of dark, uh, driving intensity to his early video game music. And that sense of darkness has definitely remained to this day. So you can kind of hear some traces of what he would eventually yeah. move on to. This stuff really holds up. I mean, this type of music written with an orchestra is completely at home in the style of contemporary films. It's very mm -hmm. ostinato-driven. It's texture-driven. It definitely captures a mood, a very specific kind of adult... Um, emotional texture it's and great. i would say the mood is soccer it's kind of a pro soccer vibe here <laughs> you know it's funny I, I i couldn't listen to this without constructing some narrative in my head of this mm. kind of uh you know poor family and this husband has to tell to his wife you know i just have to play and she's like you need to feed our seven children and he needs to play soccer in order to feed his depressing family oh, that's and intense the, the music amps up Crushing. as he's like riding his bike you know to seven different jobs and the pressure is on interesting you got to show me those pro moves okay Let's move on to another composer that I thought would be interesting to explore some of his early stuff, and I'm really glad I did. This is very fascinating for fascinating for me, kind of historically. This is Jun Senaway, and we actually had the the privilege of of. Uh, seeing a panel that Jun Senaway put on at this most recent MAGFest, and we got to see him perform uh, some Sonic, uh, some later Sonic music, which is really cool to see that to see that live and to, to hear him talk a little bit. Um, this is a very early game that he worked on. Now, this came out in 1994, the same year that he worked on Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles. And so uh, when you listen to the soundtrack, which I had never heard before, it's very obscure, I, in my opinion, and in this particular track as well, I think you can hear some similar styles um, that he would uh, that he would explore in Sonic Three. This is a game called Game No Konzume, which was released for the Sega CD, uh, composed by Jun Senaway. Let's take a listen. delightful you guys are listening to bgm2 from game no konzume for the sega cd composed by very famous and beloved video game composer jun senaway who definitely made a splash uh for the sonic series first uh sonic game he worked on was sonic 3 and then moved on to sonic 3d blast and then sonic adventure and so many others after that a lot of other great uh sega series and games as well 
Um, Will, do you hear any of that linkage to, to some of like the maybe the bonus stages of Sonic 3 that I hear? Absolutely, yeah, and like the special stage to Sonic 3D Blast. Mm-hmm. This kind of plucky tone, um, some of the 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 chords that have that almost like 90s pop music sound to them. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's really uh, cool yeah, to hear that. This could be right at home in sort of a special stage or a bonus stage for a Sonic game. You can definitely uh, tell. You know, if this was a multiple choice test and they said, which composer is this? I think I would guess Jun Senaway. Yeah, and I think it makes it pretty clear some of the pieces, at least, that he composed for Sonic 3. Like, definitely the bonus stages and um, some of the multiplayer stages, I would, I would wager. You can right, kind of like that kind of gumball style. rag or and this is another like example that. where uh in some ways it's not what i expect the style of jun senaway but it is the early jun senaway style and it's a style that i kind of wish that he would go back to because i think he's really good uh writing in the style and for whatever reason you know once he got into the whole rock thing you know being able to record instruments and stuff like that uh his style and his sound has definitely changed uh, for for sure. So yeah, I, I like going back to early June Senway. Okay, now this is this is great. This was a real treat. Uh, another name that that jumped uh, in my head that I wanted to to look into um, is Manami Matsumai, who is a very beloved video game composer. And so really, one of the things today is every single composer on this list. In order to make this episode, they had to have some work, some game that came out that was huge, massively successful, right? Uh, And we're playing examples of games that were way less successful and very obscure. And so Minami Matsumai, uh, the thing that really put her on the map was Mega Man, the original Mega Man game. Uh, She also scored some other fairly beloved soundtracks, such as UN Squadron. Uh, And then recently, she's contributed to some some really heavy-hitting games, such as Shovel Knight. Uh, This is a game called San San 2. Now, that's S-O-N space S-O-N. San San 2. If it was English, it would be Sun Sun 2. And this is for the TurboGrafx-16. And this is the credits theme composed by Manami Matsume. It's really fun, really jazzy, happy. Let's check it out. Delicious. That is the Sansan 2 credits theme composed by the one and only Manami Matsumai. Honestly, this might be one of my favorite things she's ever done. It's I so adore good. this piece. It's so rich. It has this nasty jazz harmony and all these cross relations, and it's 
super authentic. It's funny. We asked her that question when we got to interview her about, mm-hmm. you know, jazz chord changes and everything. And so she, she talked about some of her influences. Specifically, she mentioned uh, Pat Metheny. Yeah, um, that's true. That's this funny. is almost <laughs> the most authentically jazz sounding piece she's ever it's written. It's very I mean, spicy. Some of those, yeah, really spicy, saucy I think jazz. this is track of the week territory. Would you concur? Absolutely. Yeah, Let's I wouldn't do it. it any other way. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's track of the week. The credits from Sansan 2. Yeah, what a cool find. You know, I looked through some of her early arcade stuff, and there's definitely a lot of obscure stuff there. Uh, some cool stuff, sometimes from games that we have focused on, uh, like there's this one game called Dynasty Wars, which has a really cool piece of music that I think we featured in our Manami episode. And so this is from a game that I had never heard of. It could be one of those additions, you know, in the past few years, there's been a lot better crediting for some of these obscure games. So it's possible that last time we looked, uh, Sansan 2 wasn't credited to her. Carl, you know, another thing I loved about this track is when it started off, I'm like, ooh, this is a cool vibe. Mm-hmm. I like the chords and it, you know, it had that kind of wavetable implementation and sound. But then uh-huh. that square lead comes in and it has almost the exact same settings as the original Mega Man. And mm. it was like this other level of nostalgia that I wasn't expecting that kind of really rapid sounding vibrato. That's a really good point, Will. Yeah, this obviously isn't on the NES, but it's pretty close. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Okay. So I'm excited to move on ooh, to this next composer. So without telling you guys where the composer is, first I'm going to say what the game is. It's a game for the uh, Super Famicom, only released in Japan. It's called Front Mission Gun Hazard. Now, I was familiar with the original Front Mission. I believe Yoko Shimomura worked on that game. I don't think I would call that famous. I think it's a little on the obscure side. This is definitely even more obscure because it's only released in Japan. It's the sequel. Uh, and I, if I were to guess the composers, I probably would imagine no one famous. But here are the composers we have. Nobuo Uematsu, Yasunori Mitsuda, Junya Nakano, and Masahi Hamazu. Some very big composers there. Uh, what's great is we do have the crediting, uh, the, the specific crediting for this game. And so th- we're going to play a Yasunori Mitsuda composition. Now, this was just one year after his uh, work on Chrono Trigger, which uh, definitely was was uh, a very big splash for him. But it's interesting, you know, a very similar era of Super Nintendo Mitsuda music. Uh, this is definitely not something that has held up or has been uh, heralded as much over the years. So let's check it out. This is Emotion, which is a very long piece of music. You guys should check out the whole thing on your own. It's over six minutes. Emotion from Front Mission Gun Hazard.
beautiful piece of music. You guys are listening to Emotion from Front Mission Gun Hazard for the Super Famicom. This is composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. It's such a treat to get to hear this era of Mitsuda, a very young, excited composer, uh, really in some ways in his in his prime, uh, working on uh, the same platform that he had just finished up, <laughs> done a lot of uh, stressful work on Chrono Trigger, moving on to this was the next game. Will, have you ever heard of this game, Gun Hazard, before? I can't say that I have, but I adore the music. It doesn't really sound like anything from Chrono Trigger. Right. Yeah, I imagine some of our listeners are familiar with with this soundtrack. I can't speak to how how obscure or how well known this is, but um, definitely in context of what he had just done, and then going into to other bigger things like uh, Chrono Cross, you know, even things like Mario Party. Um, yeah, this this is a little bit more obscure, but it's so beautiful. It does feel very on its own from the work he had just done in Chrono Trigger, but uh, d- just as good, just as emotional. Yeah, this is gorgeous. I love that theme. It's a fantastic melody. It's so heroic. There's a sense of tragedy to it, and it's wonderful Super Nintendo implementation, I think. Uh, yeah, this is a, a stellar, stellar piece of music. Hidden gem, for sure. I was reminded, I can't really say why, but I was reminded a little bit of uh, Minako Hamano. Um, Interesting. A, a little bit, some of the work that she did on Metroid Fusion. Remember, there's that like underwater uh, area mm-hmm. um, that kind of has that beautiful sort of tragedy. Some of the curves in this melody were reminding me of that but that's interesting of course this this predates that but yeah gorgeous melody and it's it's a very sprawling piece of music we really do want to encourage all of you to check out this full track emotion on your own because it it really tells a complete story and has these non-repeating sections and everything that is so good okay so we're making our way through this playlist i'm having a really good time we're going to move on to a piece of music uh from Koichi Sugiyama. Now, Will suggested something from uh, the Monopoly <laughs> score on the SNES, which is definitely obscure. I think this really takes the cake. This is even more obscure. It's called Furai no Shirin GB2, which is a Game Boy Color game released only in Japan that, for whatever reason, they got Koichi Sugiyama to, to score. And it's incredibly beautiful. This is a piece of music that we featured on our Game Boy Music You May Not Have Heard episode. It's called Going to Tabagorasu. Uh, and what I really am moved by on this piece of music, I know I mentioned this before, is the there's a there's a section of this where the lead really feels like it's a cello. And you kind of almost lose yourself. And if you use your imagination a little bit, I know it's Game Boy sounds, but it feels like you're hearing a cello at some point. It's, it's really awesome. Let's take a listen to Going to Tabagorasu by the legendary Koichi Sugiyama.
I'm not crying. I don't know what you're talking about. This is phenomenal. You guys listening to Going to Tabagarasu from Furai no Shirin GB2. Koichi Sugiyama, one of the finest composers. Oh my god, this is amazing. Goodness, yeah. Oh, such... <laughs> it's uh, almost too rich, good. Rich classical beauty. If um, I had one complaint, I would say it might be too a little too good. Yeah, Sugiyama is a very revered uh, composer in Japan. Mostly for Furai no Shirin. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but he's a he's a very celebrated master composer mm-hmm. over there. And oftentimes I feel like his work on the Dragon Quest series and others, although it's fantastic, it almost feels like he's, he's writing this kind of light music and not necessarily taking it as serious as he may some of his other projects. Right. But the the depth, the harmonic beauty in this piece is so staggering. There's that wandering B section that uses this kind of French impressionistic, you know, kind of harmony that uses whole tone scales. And that mm-hmm. part that Carl mentioned, uh, the cello, really just has to do with the order of voices. It's kind of yeah. this baritone... Uh, melody. The use of the volume swells in the vibrato. Great implementation as well, which definitely was someone else. Well, it's also what he's having that other square do kind of this harmonic arpeggiation above mm-hmm. the melody, which almost sounds like, you know, when cellos get the melodic line in a string orchestra and you have the violins and violas exactly. quietly playing above. Man. Yeah, and then my favorite moment, the moment that really is almost like turning of the screw, you know, at, at the mm-hmm. at the final end of the cadence. We've been so prepared for so long for a final cadence point. And then we get and minor. we have a suspension that resolves to the minor. And it's like wow. the last thing you'd expect. And it's, it's a great device for keeping something cyclical because it, yes. it pulls you in expecting resolution and doesn't give you any... And and then we're immediately looped right back into the return of the A section, which is beautiful, but it kind of it's this story that never ends, that never gets completion. And there's something really profound and beautiful about this. I adore this piece of music. I've mentioned it before. Maybe my one of my favorite little section is the the counter melody. Oh, it's the best. I love yeah. that. Well, that's how it's done. He he truly is a master. Sugiyama-san. Oh, my God. And I will say that is, that's by far the best piece of music on the playlist. We've already played it multiple times, so I do like still doing that Sansan track of the week since it was a new discovery. But, yeah, that that is a phenomenal piece of uh, obscure video game music by a legend. Okay. Now we're going to move on to... Uh, this is maybe pushing a little bit i think for fans of video game music it's it's a it's a very well-known name and it's a it's a person who's who's done some huge titles uh and has composed one of our favorite pieces of video game music that we play in the mercado band this is takonobu mitsuyoshi who's a sega composer longtime sega composer one thing i will say about mitsuyoshi is for whatever reason it seems like he kind of was relegated mostly just to racers um, I wonder if he ever had uh, an interest in, in kind of expanding and going to some other types of games, but it seems like the only thing that he ever got assigned to were these racers. Uh, he did work on Outrunners. Uh, he composed France, which is one of our favorite pieces of video game music. The most notable thing that really put him on the map was Daytona USA, which he composed and also sang all the vocals, which are very silly and happy and kind of infamous. And so that's to- Takanobu Mitsuyoshi. Um, this is a game that came out later. So this is another example where this is kind of on the, the later half of his career, which has definitely slowed down a little bit. 
um, especially in the notoriety. This is a game called Cyber Troopers Virtual on Mars with a Z. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a perfect entry for today's episode. This is a piece of music called Fierce Fight, which I just think is a very energetic and classic piece of video game music. Uh, It's really great. Composed by Takanobu Mitsuyoshi. Here we go. cool very earnest you guys are listening to fierce fight from cyber troopers virtual on mars which is i think a ps2 game very obscure ps2 game composed by a pretty successful and popular video game composer especially if you look at the work he's done takanobu mitsuyoshi might not be a household name but just take a look at some of the stuff he's done gp rider virtual racing outrunners daytona usa virtual fighter 2 sega rally championship um done a lot of uh, Shenmue. He was the lead composer on Shenmue. Uh, so yeah, he's done a lot of um, lot of great stuff. Um, but in some ways, I feel like he... I don't know. I, f- I, w- I wish that he got uh, maybe some, some better titles to, to compose as of late. And more recognition as a composer. Yeah, for sure. Because I think of all sure. the people on today's list, even though he's done... Uh, you know, he's proved himself uh, time and time again, but... Uh, is probably the least recognizable name, I guess I would say. Which is very sad, yeah. And, and, and this happens a lot. You know, this is the third time today where, or maybe at least the second time, where we're uh, playing music from a really great, talented composer that, at least as of late, um, doesn't seem to have, you know, be getting the opportunities maybe that they deserve, especially, uh, and I would say the same thing with Yamashita-san, uh, same thing with with Takanobu Mitsuyoshi, a great composer that has done some classic music that a lot of people love. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, careers slow down a little bit. Um, very, very good jazz composer. And there are some, some cool jazzy tracks in this soundtrack that I thought about playing has kind of a, like a very cool nineties swanky fun jazz funk sound that he's, I think the best when, when he's in that vibe, but this is cool for sure. Yeah. There's a little hook in that melody that, uh, I, I'm really a fan of the, you know, yeah, that, that lead kind of feels classic. That lead instrument kind of feels 90s general MIDI, a little bit uncanny valley in some areas, but very cool, very obscure. Okay, Uh, this is another name I thought of, uh, a person that worked in video games years before he really made a splash. Uh, This is Kenji Yamamoto, and the thing that put him on the map was uh, Super Metroid, which came out in 94, but he had been working for Nintendo for years before that, doing a lot of interesting music and in a few different styles. This is a game I'd never heard of before. It's for the Game Boy. It's called Radar Mission, which came out, I think, in 1990, so 
early uh, Yamamoto music here. This is the title screen. Let's take a listen to the title screen from Radar Mission. tune this is the title screen from radar mission for the game boy which came out in 1990 composed by kenji yamamoto which has since uh become a, a fairly beloved and iconic video game composer for specifically the metroid series did uh, some phenomenal work with retro studios on the metroid prime trilogy also was overseeing some of the more recent retro games such as the the Donkey Kong Country Returns and Tropical Freeze does a lot more overseeing and support work these days and not as much composition which is I think very sad Um, but yeah this is not the sound (laughs) that I come to expect from Kenji Yamamoto this is a treat yeah it's very this kind of noble heroic uh, march like a lot of 80s and 90s film music notably you know John Williams uh, and this is something that actually reminds me of a piece that might fit at home uh, in the original Metroid game by Hirokazu Tanaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting to think he would go on to write for Super Metroid and kind of adopt a wholly different sound, one that's more about atmosphere and mood and honestly a little bit more frightening. Well, it's so funny that you mention Hirokazu Tanaka because I have a feeling that he could have been supervising Yamamoto on this game because the designer of this game was... Was Gunpei Yokoi, which is ah. interesting. And this is actually one of the early Game Boy games, and we know how involved uh, that Hiptanaka was in, with, with the Game Boy hardware and things like that. So, um, yeah, really interesting that, that you heard that. And, yeah, just, just kind of cool historically thinking about um, Yamamoto's early work. I, I'm a really big fan of some of his... Uh, he's did a couple of these soundtracks called, like, Famicom Tentai, uh, which have some some really cool and unique music. Uh, it's cool to hearing the sound that he was exploring before he he you know ever since he got into the Metroid series. It seems like he had been kind of not shoehorned into that, but you know those are the opportunities that he had is scoring those games, and that's kind of what we've what we've known from him. So it's cool to hear another side. Okay, let's move on to um, a Western composer. This is Chris Hulsbeck. And he's definitely most known for the Turrican series, uh, very beloved games and soundtracks. He did some pretty obscure work for PC games in the mid to late 90s. I had never heard of this one. It's called Extreme Assault. All right, this is the intro composed by Chris Hulsbeck. Here we go.
Very cool. You guys are listening to the intro to Extreme Assault for the PC. This was composed by uh, German game composer Chris Hulsbeck, who's most known for the Turrican series, also some C64 games like the Great Gianna Sisters, and some pretty popular Star Wars games, Rogue Squadron, uh, Rogue Leader. So he's done some some really big games, and this is this is not one of them, but it's it's really good music. It's very it's 90s militaristic score is what it reminds me of. Yeah, he's a great dude and a wonderful composer. Uh, we had the privilege to get to talk with him a few years back and had an episode spotlighting on his incredible music, and he was just a delightful person to speak with and had a lot of wonderful insights about composing for games back at that time and um, yeah. the entirety of his career. But he's, yeah, he's someone who's gotten to uh, work on a variety of titles and um He's worked on a few uh, like Lucasfilm titles and Star Wars games and worked closely with uh, some of uh, the John Williams score material. Um, and I think some of that has definitely had an influence on his compositional voice. Absolutely. Okay, last track of the day other than the play out here. Uh, we're going to go to Jake Kaufman. And his career was basically nothing but obscurity <laughs> until until some of the way forward games really started to take off. Uh, this was, I think, just before that. This is a Batman game that he was able to score, uh, a game that WayForward w- w- was actually able to develop. And it seems to me like there is a lot of humor in this game. It's Batman the Brave and the Bold video game for the DS as well as the Wii. We're going to play a track from the DS soundtrack composed by Jake Kaufman. Uh, This is Atlantis Exploration. Let's check it out. Atlantis Exploration by Vert from the DS game Batman the Brave and the Bold. Definitely an obscure. There's there's a lot of games I could have chosen from. A lot of his early Game Boy Color work and stuff like that. Uh, we featured some of it recently on our Jake Kaufman episode. But um, yeah, every, every single game that he worked on when you listen to his career, he put a lot of effort, a lot of unique um, energy into all the soundtracks. So he's a, per- he's a person that just deserves every bit of success that, that he's gotten. He's incredibly talented. I cannot wait for the uh, the next Shovel Knight DLC and soundtrack. He's really one of our favorites here on the Super Mercado Brothers podcast. Uh, we've been playing and celebrating his music for years, and we have scores of episodes on his music, on different series like Super League of Patriots and Shantae. Uh, He's one of the best. We've done all the, the world, Shovel Knight stuff, and we did a, a Jake Kaufman exclusive episode. Um, not too long ago. So if you guys are a fan, you should definitely check that out. Which, honestly, Another, you should be. 
another thing that we wanted to mention just as we close out the episode here uh, for those of you who aren't aware a couple weeks ago Carl Marty and myself debuted our uh, album Hero of Legend which is a tribute to the musical world of the Zelda series it's the first in three volumes of albums that will be uh, paying homage to the three most classic eras of Hyrule. We've been getting some uh, great support from those of you who've been listening and some wonderful feedback. And yeah, uh, yeah, we just wanted to thank all of you who have been so kind and so enthusiastic about this album. It's already been so much more than we ever could have anticipated. Yeah. The response has been just way above anything we have imagined. And so we love hearing your emails and your comments and all of your wonderful creative ideas. It seems like a lot of people are, are being inspired by this world. And we have some, some really exciting uh, spin-off potential spin-off projects that we're now thinking about and obviously starting to think about volume two and things like that so very excited to continue to explore the world of heroica so thank you so much for everyone for your incredible support in feedback okay we're going to play you guys out with actually another track from that Armored Hunter Gunhound EX by Kinoyo Yamashita. I, I had to play this, Will. I'm excited for you to hear this. This is a piece of music called Fields of Artillery. And this, to me, is Yamashita-san reminding us that, hey, I was the composer who worked on Castlevania. And don't you forget that, because this sounds very classic, very Castlevania-esque. We're going to play you out with this. Thank you so much for listening. I think that's about it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Mm-hmm.